and welcome to another episode of Stoke Meter. Today we have Christy Desai, who is the co-founder and CEO of OK Humans, as well as LMFT. LMFT, I'm not sure what that stands for, but I sure know what OK Humans is. How are you, Christy? <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like I need to like go into a ring and like be boxing with that. That's that that amazing. Right? That's like a good ego boost for anybody. I'm like, that's, who's that person? That's so cool. <laughs> Well, you and I have known each other for about 20 years now. Uh, only person on this call almost any longer is Gary down there. But uh, <laughs> it, and it's, it's neat to see you as a CEO, because when I first met you, you were, uh, well, uh, you had just gotten married. You hadn't even had your first child yet. And no. then it went a little crazy. <laughs> right? You just had a, a few kids and... Then you transferred over to, to California. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We met when I was 20, newly oh married. Oh, my goodness. Um, which in our culture and where we grew up, it was not so unusual. I'm from the Midwest. It wasn't usual in that culture. I grew up in a religious home. It wasn't uh, unusual in that culture. But it, it's wild, especially now that my daughter is you know 17 it's wild to to know her and where she's at in her life and to think oh my gosh you know in three years I was getting married so um <laughs> it, it blows my mind it's I mean I knew then that it was it was I remember before I got married thinking oh my gosh when I turn 40 I'll be married for 20 years like that doesn't that doesn't seem okay that doesn't add up like that's unusual but here we are I've been married for 20 years and three kids and I went to grad school and I became an LMFT, which is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, See, um, I, I should have known that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Most people don't know what all these letters mean. And a lot of people don't know the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist and a therapist and a counselor. And um, so it's all, it's, it's always good to ask questions because most people don't know. And you bring it up, to know. yeah. You do bring up an important point, though. Most people don't know because a lot of times they don't want to know, or they're putting it aside, and all that, all those little things that we have heard from multiple guests about the stigma of 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 getting help, of emotional health. And I had no idea when you had moved to well, actually in New York, um, that you had gone through therapy. I had no idea. None whatsoever. And, yeah, we moved from the east side to the west side. So it's, we might as well have been in different states. So um, I think we, you didn't get the day to day because we were on different sides of the city. No. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had. I had gone to therapy. So my daughter was probably, I, you know, newly married, um, had a baby, probably six months old or so. Right. And I think my husband's from, um, born and raised in Jersey, but his parents are from India. So I'm from the Midwest. There's just a different set of um, cultures that we kind of had to come to understand and uh, blend families and just navigate all of that stuff. And so that was, that was difficult. Um, and I think because of that, I thought we should go to therapy. And so I don't know why I knew to go to therapy. It just was sort of a... I didn't, I didn't think there was any other choice, but I, I just knew we needed help um, trying to figure all this stuff out. And so I think I was probably looking for someone to like, tell me, tell, you know, tell me it's going to be okay. Tell me I didn't make the biggest <laughs> mistake of my life. <laughs> um, because, you know, that's always the fear, right? Right. Um, 
so I looked at my insurance and I found this lady on the Upper West Side who I assumed was Jewish um, and maybe had some um, familiarity with like conservative religious people and populations. And I thought, you know, she hopefully she won't judge me. And so we started to go uh, to couples therapy and my husband was not he, he went a couple times and he was like, yeah, not, I can't spend any more time doing this. Uh, you know, I don't want to take away from work. Like you, you know, have at it, you figure this out sort of thing. And so I, I stayed in for myself. I kept meeting with that same lady and I went um, for a year every week by myself. And uh, it, it, it was amazing. It, it definitely, um, I was going to say it changed my life. The, my second go around in therapy for sure, absolutely changed my life. And I think the first time I was in therapy that first year, it was more of a matter of, I don't know what's happening, but I, but I do feel a sense of relief and I feel better and I'm going to keep showing up because I just feel better. Right. Right. And going back to, okay, humans, that whole experience was something that really impacted you in a way that you realized, well, I don't know why the counseling gets such a bad rap. Uh, This mental health thing gets a bad rap. Right. And there was one thing that um, that we had we had spoken about, and then subsequently, even it's on your side, is you want to normalize seeking support. It's right now it's out of the normal. Um, there's all these outdated therapy models. Since I, I since I don't know too much about therapy, uh, I, I'm assuming that you've seen them all. You've, you've been able to get down in the nitty gritty of them all. But most importantly, and much like we try to do here, is to open up a conversation of, of, of getting help. Uh, how, how did you go about doing this? Because it, it's a daunting task, man. It's a daunting task. <laughs> getting help or opening a business? <laughs> oh, oh, just, both, really both, both. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, getting help is certainly daunting. Um, I felt fortunate that I've kind of just, you know, picked a random person, walked in an office that first go around the second go around someone told uh, a girlfriend in passing mentioned her therapist. And I, you know, I, I owned a, a different business. It was a mommy me concept out of New York. And, um, I had you know, kids and I was a wife and I just felt stressed. And I, I thought, well, let me like, let me get that sense of relief. I got the first go around. Um, my friend mentioned she had a therapist and I'm like, so I called that therapist up and that therapist was pregnant and she was expecting. And so she said, well, you know, I'm going to go on maternity leave. So just, you know, just so you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, no problem. I just want to come in like four or five times. I'm just, I'm just stressed. I just want to, you know, that was, that's, she she mocks me that way. She's like, remember when you were like, you were just going to come four or five times. And that was over seven years ago. Um, and, And I've gone every week. I mean, I guess not when I'm on vacation or that sort of thing, but essentially every week for the last seven years. And it, it, I think I was about a year and a half, uh, two years into to my own therapy with her that I thought, I think I want to be a therapist too. So, um, and she's, she sort of brought it up. And what I had forgotten was I had looked into a program before, forgot all about it. Um, I found this book when we were on vacation. It was all about women and uh, life transitions. And it was written by all the, the contributors in the book were a therapist. And so I was telling her like, 
everything I read resonated with me. I didn't have words for these things. And, and this is, they were all therapists. I, I mean, oh my gosh, how do therapists know these things? And she, she was like, have you ever thought about being a therapist? And, um, and so I just thought I'd take a class and she told me like what university I should go to. And he kind of like, she's like, look into these two programs. And um, I signed up and I took a class and I thought, well, I don't have to do it if I don't want to. Um, but I went and it was everything I thought it was going to be and hoped it would be. And I have never looked back. And, and because of that, I, you know, I just, I went to therapy because my friend mentioned it in passing. I didn't know that I needed therapy. I didn't know that my life could, could change in such a way. And so I, through my, my experience and my process and going to school and stuff, I wondered how many other people could really benefit from therapy and have no idea how many other people, you know, are high functioning and get through life and get through the world and have relationships and are quote unquote doing, you know, doing life well, but could really benefit from therapy. And so that was a question I held and I, and you know, it's not, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people don't go to therapy. It, it can be expensive. It's hard to know where to, to, to find a therapist and what if your schedules don't match and you, obviously you want to feel like you are safe with this person and could potentially trust them, um, not potentially, but actually trust them. My friend had made that recommendation. So that all kind of felt a little you know, safer for me, but there's a lot of barriers of entry. And so it's like, I know why people don't get therapy, but how unfortunate because it can be so helpful. And so I, in opening OK Humans, wanted to address some of those barriers of entries, make it easier for people to get therapy, and also to let people know that it, you don't have to wait until a crisis, that it can be really beneficial and helpful for you, uh, can change your life like it changed mine, um, if you're open to getting therapy. So we try to make it easier for people to be open to getting therapy. I, I, I think you make a really good point and I kind of like really bad analogies. I'm really good at bad analogies, but I look at it so much like, like taking care of a vehicle, you know, you, you really don't want to wait until that thing is broken down on the side of the freeway and you got to get it home and you got to get it fixed. And the damage is, is so much worse than, you know, if, Hey, let's have some preventative, let's have some ongoing, you know, care for people. And I always look at it as, you know, it's just another tool in the toolbox, you know? And so when I hear people say, Oh, I'm, I just, you know, I got a new therapist and I'm starting to go see him. It, to me, that's exciting because it's just, you know, what, like you said, once you find someone that you trust, somebody that you're comfortable with, I mean, you, it's, it's always a win really at that point, you know? And so but what I, I'm, I'm curious about what you're doing with OK Humans. What, how are you, what is your approach? You say you're making it so that people have better access and, and knocking down some of those barriers. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that side of it. Yeah, so we are in Los Angeles on a, a busy street in Brentwood called San Vicente Boulevard. So we're right next to uh, a famous bake. I, I, th I think it's famous. It's famous, to, it's famous to me. It's big in Los Angeles. It's really good called Suzy Cakes. And next door to that is Pisana, which is another really delicious um, kind of well-known. Actually, the owners of Pisana are the founders of Sprinkles as well. Um, so another bakery kind of family. But we're Point, I say that because we're, we're in right next, we're sandwiched in between these two really well-known businesses on a busy street in Los Angeles. We have this 
big old sign that lights up at night, really bright, that says, okay, humans. And on the door, it says, you know, feeling less than okay, come in and talk to a therapist, uh, you know, th something along those lines. So we're really, um, we put ourselves out there and we're really visible because we want to let people know it's okay to, to go to therapy and look, we're easier to find, you can actually see us. Um, but then in, in addition to that, we're open seven days a week. We have a website and an app that has our all of our therapists on there. There's a video bio, so you can, you know, you can watch a video of a therapist. They can tell you a little bit how they work. You can see their real-time schedule availability right underneath them, and then you can go book right away. So often you, you know, it's hard, it's hard to know where to find a therapist. You don't know if your schedules will match. You don't know how much it's going to cost. So we have a more affordable option in Los Angeles, uh, and therapy and private practice is on average $250. So most, most therapists charge $250 a session. And so if you're a member at OK Humans, which just means you get four sessions um, per month, you buy those up front. There's no obligation. You don't have to continue to be a member for six months or anything like that. You can stop anytime. Your sessions never expire. You can gift them to somebody. So um, the, everyone's first session is $124 per session. And if you wanted to keep that price at $124, then you just buy four at once and become a member. And then your session price can stay at $124. Um, so we make it more, much more affordable, it's, it's, you know, especially for Los Angeles pricing. And then if you don't, if you come once at 124 and you want to come again, maybe you want to pop in every three weeks or so, but you know, you don't want to come on a regular basis, then it's 180 a session. So mm -hmm. still more affordable than private practice. I like yeah. how you're and doing then, it. <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, if you have out-of-network benefits, which, um, you know, if you have a PPO insurance, we submit everything for you and we do courtesy billing so that we don't give you a super bill where you then have to submit to the insurance company. We try to take that headache away for you and we submit everything. So once you meet your deductible, you get reimbursed. And so a lot of clients get reimbursed as well. So it's another way to, to save. You do have to pay upfront out of pocket, but then you do, but money comes back to you. So Gary, I'm going to go back to you since you're in the medical field, right? Just what all the stuff that uh, Christy was talking about and costs, hidden costs. So it's not this massive bill. I mean, what? what no, I, 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 uh, I'm not a math genius, but seven days a week is pretty good coverage. Yeah. I, 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 so, so, so first of all, I mean that's exciting because that's one thing that I see, you know, with with patients and that type of thing is that access is such a huge part of the equation just being able to find someone. And also a lot of times when people need or want therapy, from my experience is when they're usually a lot of times not at their best and they're, they're anxious and they, they're afraid of who they're going to be talking to, you know? So I, I, I think your model is so exciting in the sense that people can, you know, like you said, like the video bios, just having the availability seven days a week and that type of stuff. That is really awesome. Because, it's, a com it's a complete yeah. game changer because, I mean, think of it. Usually when I think of therapy office, it's not like, I'm going to hide, man. I'm going down in this covert operation. And we're going to go into the <laughs> office and I, know, I hope no one sees me kind of type of thing, right? And now here you are in between two real uh, chic places, right? And people just walk in. It's, it, you made it some, something that is normal. Normally, if it's someone going, hey, that's great. You're going to go in, okay, humans over there. That's what I'm getting from it. And um, you talked about some of the, the roadblocks that are presented by society, even from a family perspective. And you've taken that mystery out of this. 
and allowed for individuals to really take advantage of something and made it cool, which is cool. <laughs> well, and even on even on top of that, I, I I really appreciate how people can you know like say you have a block of of sessions or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and I said, you know what, I'm a little bit worried about about Maurice and I can actually give him one. of, You know, I mean, I have somebody, a therapist that I, I trust that I think is really cool. And I think that Maurice would benefit. I mean, that is that's really, really neat. I love that. Well, what are you? Oh, oh, there you go, too. You can, you can if you have extra sessions, you can give them to somebody or you can just come get a gift card for somebody. No. Well, I, I know for a fact I would be, uh, so I know sprinkles. I'd be chowing down on those. I'd get a gift card there, run over, get a gift card from you guys. I'd be set for a while. <laughs> so, so what What are you, uh, you know, this is definitely kind of weird times that we're all in. And, you know, face-to-face interactions being kind of stunted a little bit. You know, if, if are you doing remote stuff? So like, say if I was, you know, I'm here in Arizona, is it possible for me to have access to what you guys are doing? So we, um, because we're licensed marriage and family therapists, the states have different rules and regulations that we have to abide by. So we can't see people outside of state lines. Um, uh-huh. You know, if, if we had a therapist who was licensed in Arizona, then you could work with that therapist. But all of our therapists are licensed in California. So we can see anyone in California and we can see that person virtually. So we meet the clients where they're at. They can elect to be seen virtual or in person. Uh, obviously, if they live far away, then it's just virtual. But we have some clients who come in person 90% of the time and then maybe a meeting pops up or you know they can't get away or something and then they'll elect to go virtual for that one session Um, and then we do have people who live further away who are always virtual so it's it's really it can be a hybrid it can be however it works for the individual right 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 go ahead what what type of stuff are you seeing now like I said this is kind of interesting times that we're living in are you seeing kind of trends or things that people are you know, obviously the, the pandemic um, is, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say it's in the background now, but it's not necessarily in the background. It, it really depends on the person in their situation. And for some people that the pandemic just amplified things and kind of maybe what some of their, the things they were dealing with or their underlying issues, um, you know, maybe were brought to the forefront through the pandemic. So why they didn't focus on the pandemic or anything that was happening per the pandemic, um, you know, maybe their connection with their parents um, and their ultimate fear of them dying, you know, was amplified because of the looming pandemic, but they're not necessarily connecting because of the pandemic. I'm scared of losing, they might've always had that fear of losing their parents, but in some ways it's um, really kind of now maybe a thing that they're discussing that perhaps they wanted to have brought it up um, before, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. I w- and we see, you know, we've seen an increase in domestic violence issues, that type of thing, just people being in proximity, not having that work outlet and that type of stuff. I imagine that probably tracks with what you're, you guys are seeing as well, as far as marriage issues. Right. There's there, t- People are kind of, um, again, like whatever was, was dormant become is no longer dormant and so if there were you know if you could if you had frustrations with your partner and that you could usually navigate them by keeping busy or avoiding each other um, enough that it didn't blow over well now that that was all taken away and so you were sort of faced with um, looking at and reckoning with some of some of these things and so certainly that's that pops up and comes in with couples 
um, you know, life transitions. I think sometimes people are feeling this uh, zest to really go after the thing that they want to live the life that they want um, because it's, it's, they can see how fleeting it can be and how ultimately you really don't have control over anything. And so um, that certainly kind of have give, has energized people in a way to, to cultivate the life that they want. And, um, and it, it's, it's heartbreaking to, you know, from, to hear you as a nurse see more and more of domestic violence and things like that. Um, for us, I think where we're at and where we're located and just, um, yeah, yeah, I like kids don't necessarily access this, right? So if they're being abused, they still need a parent to bring them. The parent probably doesn't. So we don't see that, but we certainly see things in the, um, the re relationships and individuals that are being accelerated by the pandemic. Man, I, I, as, as we're talking, I, uh, I can't help but think of there's numerous connections so we can <laughs> maximize this. We actually spoke with someone uh, yesterday. No, 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 two days ago. Uh, in New Zealand that uh, is creating this whole new app system for, for dealing with mental health. Man, Gary, I'm looking at this as a, a pretty good potential conversation starter here that uh, would, would make oh, yeah. it pretty powerful. Yeah, uh, for sure. Because you do have so many audiences that you're dealing with from the parents, the youth, the single, the married, to everyone in between. And in LA, good grief, you have how many millions are, are going through there? Uh, and there's so many people that are probably aching for the help, but not, might not be aware. I think there, there might be a pretty, pretty good partnership or at least a conversation with, with this individual. I'll have to fill you in a little bit on that, Christy. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to hear more. There's been so much innovation. Um, I think no, I had this idea for okay humans, which was ultimately just I therapy had changed my life. I, I'm like I felt so fortunate that I found out about it and I wondered what what would happen if more people saw it? What if like what if it wore a place that you drove by on the street? And yeah. would that give people permission to to seek it out and would it make it easier for them? And you know, I had that that passion and that idea before the pandemic, but with the pandemic, there has been um, a certain certainly a win you know, at everyone's cells and a lot of innovation and things happening and, and different apps and whatnot. And I think the more the merrier, the more that we can all work together to mm -hmm. help normalize this and get people help. And, and we're all at different levels, right? So if someone is experiencing psychosis and they might not be, you know, the okay humans wouldn't be the best fit for, right. for them, but if they come in, we help get them somewhere that is a better fit for them. And the people in their lives that love them, that want to help them and don't necessarily know how to help them. Those are the people that come to okay humans that we, we help support so that they can show up for the person, you know, their loved one that needs a higher level of care and is in, in more distress. Um, so it's, there's just this ripple effect. And so I think the more players in the space, the better it helps everyone. And it just, it, it's important to be able to have these conversations so people don't suffer alone or in silence. Um, and ultimately I think that alone component is what's really difficult for people. We yeah. all sort of have our own bias and make the assumption that nobody knows what we're going through and nobody has it like I have it. And um, the truth is, is our human experience is, re is, is, is really um, similar in a lot of ways. And there's only so many emotions that we all feel. Yeah. And so they're, you know, just not having to be alone with it makes a big difference and impact. 
I've got to go back to what you brought up with your hubby. <laughs> I love your hubby. What a good dude. Uh, stubborn as a mule at times, but that's okay. <laughs> yes, <he is. laughs> and Darcy, if you're looking at this, oh yeah. Anyway, with that being said, um, I'm wondering what you, you see as the most pronounced demographic because Darcy, he, he was, uh, no, no, no. I, homie, don't play that game. <laughs> kind of thing and and quite frankly i pulled the same thing um it was it was it was a time i was engaged to, to someone else uh and they they thought that it'd be a good thing and i totally i totally stiffed them i just said no i'm not, I'm not going man. and i didn't know there was a non-refundable fee but that's okay as well uh, so here i am and of course the girl that I was dating at the time, I mean, heck yeah, I'm all, I'm, I'm going in, I'm all in on this. Uh, so what, how, how has that impacted um, maybe even relationships? One person goes in and I'm going to assume you're seeing a majority of women right now. Uh, but, and again, that's just an assumption because as of late, we found that there are so many uh, men that are going in too, which is just a great thing to see too. But anything that you can tell us about that demographic and what you've learned in, in, in seeing those? Yeah, so we've been open for about five months. So I don't know if the longer we've been open, if this will change over time. Uh-huh. But, but our average clients around 33 years old, female, young working professional, um, life transitions, career, relationships, you know, these are the sorts of things that that they come in with, but we certainly have a lot of couples. And so sometimes couples is the first route to bring somebody, um, to bring a, a, a man in the door. So um, they can kind of experience therapy through couples. And then at some point it might be suggested people do their own individual work. Um, but that said, we, you know, we have uh, male individuals who ha- didn't come for couples who, um, you know, maybe just want a little more out of their relationship or more out of their career. And oftentimes the thing is, is people don't necessarily know what feels off um, or why something feels off. They don't always have the language for it or the understanding, but there's just something that feels amiss that can bring them in. Um, and that's good when it happens that way, because you know, to, to Gary's amazing, amazing analogy, they're not broken down on the side of the highway, right? It, there's, there's, we got plenty of time to do some work, to get curious and to start to identify maybe, you know, what is contributing to this, but there are other people, there might've been a relationship blow up or, you know, the partner might've said, you need to go to therapy. And sometimes that brings, um, that, that kind of ultimatum brings men in and then they are um you know and if they and if they if they go openly and give it a try they're usually happy and relieved that they that they show up and that it makes a difference in their lives so you mentioned my husband uh who did not want to go to couples therapy and he he dropped out but that you know fast forward 15 years later and he's been with his therapist for the last five years oh my goodness (laughs) he goes every week his therapist is unlike him so my husband works in finance and grew up in the east coast and there's you know all this pressure to to perform and be good and um his therapist rides motorcycles has a ponytail the most uh different person from my husband and the most important person to my husband he's made such a difference in his life and you know, I think initially to your point, Maurice, if someone's interested in 
and growing and changing and they're learning new things and they're maybe they're finding their voice or they're just doing something different the other person you know that changes the dynamic and so um you know i, I was in therapy for about two years started grad school and it was clear that like oh you're gonna have, you're gonna have to start you know doing a little something about about you or i'm i don't want to live this way um and so you know initially it was kind of a he, an obligation that he felt like, oh, I better, you know, I better go figure this out because I don't want to not be married. Um, and then meanwhile, he stayed and it's changed his life and his relationship, obviously with me, but the way he parents and to the kids and, and everything, because he just, you know, he, 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 he I, I, it's so funny. And one of my friends says, I listened to you on those podcasts and you say, you say therapy changed your life, but you don't say how, and, and it's, it's kind it's kind of hard to describe it. I mean, it changes it in so many ways and it's so many little ways that it just, it, you know, it, it happens over time and it's kind of not until you, you look back and you reflect and you're like, whoa, this is, this has made such a difference. And there are small little things here or there that you can pinpoint but it, you know, therapy, and I think people's frustration with therapy sometimes is that it's a slow process. It yeah. is an integration that, you know, it's, it just, it just takes time and um, it takes time to, to be brave enough to try things different and to, to keep doing them differently until they feel like they're yours and you own it. And um, so so I, I'm not good at articulating all the ways it's changed my life. And I can't tell you exactly all the ways it changed my husband's life, but I do know that we are just different people. And mm. I feel like after 20 years, we finally figured things out. And I'm like, oh, I think I love him. <laughs> 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 the first 20 years, I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> well, all I can say is I am glad that he did it. Um, he is... I love him to death. I'm one of the most competitive individuals I've ever seen. Matter of fact, some of those disagreements, hard disagreements around the basketball court. And uh, it's, so it's an alpha that comes out. Ah. And uh, it was, it's neat to hear that that change has occurred because well, I had no idea he was, he was doing that. And the fact that he did makes me pretty, pretty amped about looking at it from a different, uh, a different lens before it was such a, a stigma to it. I'm going to use that word over and over and over as stigma to it. And now to see the benefit of it and to the point that he's going multiple years, uh, first of all, he's a completely sane guy. There's no, I'm, I was just, so just knowing him, he's a completely regular, normal guy. And I think part of the stigma sometimes is that we think we need to be broken or something like that instead of just a, just a hangout, man. Hey, what's going on? And, and to have that to Gary, to the point of um, what our guest on Monday had said, Hannah has said that I had this, this uh, woman that was, she didn't do anything um, but hold her. <laughs> that was it. And it was that. And sometimes it's just that little thing that, connection is what I'm getting is a very, very important thing in, into, to growing and developing and overcoming. Is that, off, is that, am I off on that? You are so, you were so, so on Maurice. I shy away from talking about the relationship and therapy. Cause I don't, I don't want to turn people off and, and 
not everyone's used to having that level of intimacy and uh, it's something you certainly build up to. And when somebody comes to therapy, you don't say, Hey, we're going to get really close (laughs) (laughs) or or, or whatever, whatever, you know? Um, But I tell you, like, you cannot, to, as a therapist, to sit there and to listen to someone and to get to know them. And you, and when I say get to know them, I I get to know their, their intimate, vulnerable, the things they don't share with other people. And to, 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 so to sit with them and to see their humanity and all, you know, to, to know their fears and the things that they regret and, you know, the things that make them happy, like just to, to know all of it, that, that complete wholeness is a really intimate thing. And you are very connected um, to that person. And, and I know from the client's perspective, and it wasn't until I became a therapist that I was like, oh my gosh, my therapist loves me. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> I knew that I love my clients, you know? Um, so from the, the client's perspective, it's very much, I think sometimes they think, well, I'm paying this person and this is their job. And, you know, just today somebody asked me, um, they said, oh, do you write notes after all of our sessions? And I said, well, there's standard level of care that we have to meet and we do have to, you know, notate that you were here and blah, blah, blah. And he says, oh, so like, are you writing copious notes? Like, do you, is that how you know my kid's name? And it's like, I know your kid's name because we talk about your kid every week and I listen, you know? Um, but there's people who, you know, want to kind of guard against that intimacy. And so they have to think, well, I'm paying you money or it's your job, or you must write notes and read them right beforehand. Um, because how else would you know me? But I know you because I'm listening and I'm connected and there is nothing like a person that, to show up vulnerable, vulnerably and be themselves and you can't help but love somebody who does that. Um, and I think that connection is what brings about change. I think that is the balm that heals. And um, I, and it's, I always hesitate to share it because it's most people just from the client's perspective, it doesn't make sense. And you don't, you don't um, see it that way, but that is from my perspective as a relational therapist that works relationally and psychodynamically, that is the thing that I bring to the table to help you. And you brought up the V word again. I went like this to Gary because we heard <laughs> vulnerability over and over and over again as a basis for building something. And if we're not if we're not willing to be vulnerable, it's like, come on. But you've made me realize something else. It's not just the individual that is coming to the table that's vulnerable. It's also the therapist themselves. There's a, there's that degree of vulnerability vulnerability that you exude, or well, not exude, but that you that you um, empathize with having been at that state before. And that's, I think that's part of the connection is, is to be able to, you know, I've been there, I've done that. And it, it's, that was, that's pretty cool. And I never thought of it that way uh, before. I thank you for doing that. <laughs> well, and, yeah, and a, I want to kind of, t- oh, go ahead. No, you go, you go. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to tie into what, what Maurice was saying. And this is something that I'm, I'm very curious about is, you know, so your, your clientele, I mean, they're looking at you as, you know, a support and for guidance and to help them guide through some very difficult stuff. Well, I think in a lot of ways people understand, let's say you have a hundred clients, there's a hundred, there's a hundred weights on your shoulder. How do you handle that? How does, how do you have that self-care <laughs> and how do you manage that type of, of weight? Cause it can't be easy knowing all these things and you want to do more and you, and you, and it's obvious that you legit care about your clients in a big way. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think if you don't care about your clients, you're not 
you, they're pr- you're probably in the wrong field. Um, <laughs> it, but, it, but in terms of taking care of yourself, I, you know, I, sometimes people say, what, what, what do I look for in a therapist? I would just ask, do they go to therapy? Um, because if your mm-hmm. therapist goes to therapy, then they're, they're taking care of themselves <laughs> and they, and they're also not bringing their shit to the table and putting it on you, right? Because <laughs> they're doing their own work. Um, so that's, so it's, it's important for a couple of reasons, but I certainly go to therapy on a weekly basis and, and make sure I keep my side of the street clean mm-hmm. and take care of myself in that way. And also I understand the limitations of my role, which are, I, I actually don't give advice because I don't know what's best for somebody, right? But I just, I sit with them and stay with them during that confusion and that uh, difficult place of not knowing or wishing somebody could tell them what to do or wishing the thing were over or that it would go away. And something about being there with somebody makes it feel doable. Um, so I, I, you know, really remind myself of the limits of my role and I can't fix things for people and I can't solve things. And I, and I really don't have the answers. Um, so if I do what I, what I can do, which is just to, to be with them, um, I believe that I've experienced that as enough. Um, so I feel kind of grounded in, in my role and what I can do. I'm, I'm learning so much from this conversation because you, when you put your, you as a therapist get therapy, uh, and it just, before I think, oh man, that's a broken therapist, man. And then I had this, I had this uh, other thought. Okay. Let's say that you're getting weight trained by a weight trainer. Um, wouldn't you want that individual to be working out <laughs> so that they would be able to help you best and, and learn new things. And it just goes along the same thing as I think part of the stigma is realizing that we're all in the growth, uh, the mode of growth. And we, we do need those, those, those therapy sessions or whatever it might be. And, um, well, and, and everybody can always use an additional tool in their toolbox. Exactly. I mean, it really comes down to that. That's the way I look at it in all these types of things is, man, if somebody can, if somebody came to me and said, Hey, I, I can help you do better, feel better. I can give you some, you know, help you kind of think through whatever process you're having stumbling blocks on. Why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> you know <laughs> what why do you what is what do you guys think it is that keeps people out because I mean, we're kind of talking about like the why not and it, to me i I've, i'm jaded i've been in here long enough that i'm like <laughs> it, to me it's an absolute no-brainer and it really is why wouldn't somebody do this but i mean obviously there's some stigma but i'm just curious if you guys have an opinion so on for, what keeps people I, out I, if you don't mind i did i wanted to jump right in <laughs> Having worked alongside football players, rugby players, martial artists, um, these crazy extreme sports athletes, and then incredibly successful people is go, I can't show a weakness. I'm not broken. There's no way I'm going until it's too late. And you see this over and over and over again in professional sports. There's, 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 uh, numbers that are thrown out there. But the one I hear most common is that 85% are broke after their professional career uh, because of different things, unwise uh, tactics in, in finance. But it's also the relational things that are, that are happening. A lot of it's been taken in divorce or some other kind of lawsuit. And I go back to where that comes from. It's, it's an emotional basis. And so it's just this false, tough, tough person mentality, whether that be a guy or a girl that uh, prevents them from, a, you know what, I'm, I'm too good for this. I could, I could tough through this, this myself. And I've done this over and over and again. 
And I've seen friends that are also doing the same daggum thing uh, in all kinds of arenas. So if I, if I was going to go do it, that's it. It's, it's going to be the pride thinking that you could do it yourself. It's, that's, that's just me. That's just me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to put a little twist on that as well. So obviously in the emergency department setting, a lot of times <laughs> we see people that are, are completely broken you know, and I know, I know you guys probably don't deal with some of, you know, those kind of, you know, some of the major diagnoses and that, and that type of stuff. But I think with everyone or, or, or a trend that I see when talking with these people is that they wish they would have recognized yeah. that they needed help earlier. So I think part of it kind of ties in with what Maurice is saying is, and what you're saying is, is the stigma. But I also don't know if people are really aware that that's available to them and what it can do for them. So I, I, I think, and I don't know how to fix that. I would be really curious to, to hear what your take on that is. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's what I'm hoping to and trying to fix um, is to by normalizing it, right. By kind of mm-hmm. giving permission, inviting people to, to be open to it. Like um, just let, reminding people that it can be preventative and you don't have to wait too long. And, that normal people do it. I mean, therapists often don't disclose, but one, one thing, um, and, and, you know, some therapists in my position would maybe not come on a podcast and talk about their husband or that they've been married since they were 20 <laughs> because they want more of an, um, a blank slate so people can project onto them. And, and, um, but I, but for me, I, I sort of, I consciously said, I want to in demystifying therapy. I think we need to humanize therapists so that people yes know that we're people and that we, we have our own problems and that, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. So, so I, I think you make, I'll make really good points, which is I relate to the person in the emergency room who didn't know they needed help or that, um, there were things that could help. And so unfortunately therapy requires a little bit of faith, right? So it's just this, you're, you're in it. You don't necessarily know where you're going, but if you can grab something, um, maybe every session where maybe that you can identify, I felt a little better, or I felt a little less alone, or I was a little less scared, or I thought of something in a new way that I, that it wouldn't have, you know, didn't occur to me that way. If you can hold on to one thing from every, every session to get you to the next session, to keep you in long enough for this change to, to happen, to, to occur, um, then, then I think, you know, how, how lucky you are, but for us, I think that's why there's a bit of an obligation for those who have been helped and changed through therapy to talk about it, to share about it, to, mm-hmm. to start a, to start a business that will potentially maybe help people. You know, I don't know that my business will succeed. I don't know that I did it well or right, but I knew that I, I, I personally felt an obligation to, to do something to help in some way. Um, and I thought I'd rather you know, go down failing than to have not tried. Um, because Mm. I do think it's really important that people know they can not only they can get help, but that they just, they deserve it. Yeah. Another, another angle on that, uh, as far as kind of barrier, why people would be afraid, I think is it is such something that's very personal and, and people have to be vulnerable, that type of thing. So, you know, I, I think by having the, you know, the videos on your webpage where they can actually kind of get a glimpse of what this person's like. But I guess one of the questions I have is, let, let's say I, uh, I, I think, you know, Phil is a great therapist for me and I go to a first session and we just don't click. It's just not working. 
do you guys have any any way of like okay hey I think this other therapist might work better. Is there, you know what I mean? Is there a way to alleviate people's fear about, you know, just not fitting their therapist and they need someone else or want someone else? So, yes. I mean, you want to click with that person. And if you go mm-hmm. and click with Phil, then I then try somebody new. But also if you go and you didn't hate Phil and you didn't think Phil was like, you know, a weirdo or a creep and you're like, mm, not the best thing, but maybe Phil could be okay. I would, I would try it again. And I would talk to Phil about what you don't like about him. Um, <laughs> that might have more to do with you than it does Phil. And sure, sure. Phil being the therapist, uh, you know, a qualified good therapist is going to work with the thing. Get personal and really try to, to get underneath it, unearth it and make some connections about maybe where this comes from and, and what that, that means for you. And so I, I mean, ideally you, you want to connect to that person. So actually my experience, the first therapist I went with was very much, you know, New York analytical. I didn't know anything about her. She hardly ever spoke. I remember once I said something like, well, you said, and she said, did I say that? And I was like, well, actually you didn't say that, but that was like the conclusion I came to. I thought that you were implying that. Did, did I imply that? And I'm like, holy <laughs> hell, like we're going, <laughs> we're going to so, a lawyer here. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was, I didn't have this like warm, fuzzy feeling for her. I didn't know her. She was very mysterious to me. And that probably had more to do with me and my level of trust and whatnot. But, but I, I, again, I did, I got a sense of relief and I, and I do think that, um, you know, yeah, I think she, I think she was a great therapist, but she wasn't like my quote unquote therapist. Mm, And I went to her for a year and then having the contrasting experience of being with my current therapist who like, I want to go to lunch with her and I want to go shopping with her and I (laughs) I want to move into her. I want to decorate homes with her. Like I, you know, it's a very very different experience. Um, But I I've been helped right by, by both of them. And I think the very first one, the place where I was in my life was exactly what I needed and was um, all I could have done at that time. And so, so while it's important to click with your therapist and we want you to click with your therapist, don't, don't stop or give up because this wasn't the person you wanted to, to, to go shopping with. No, that makes sense. I, I, I do appreciate that. But what about, uh, I think that's a really common question. And I think kind of just culturally, um, a bit of a sort of like our own everyone's own narcissism that I have to have the best and I have to be with the best yep. and like you know I need to get the maximize this experience and get the most out of it and to that I'd say like that's just our like that's our anxiety that's not true you know sure. and sure. take what you take what you can get where you can and make the most of it so what, what, and what you'd what be we... surprised sometimes yeah, oh yeah connected oh, people, yeah. like my husband connected to someone he never thought he could so <laughs> so what, what would you say to the uh the, the couple that has a significant other that's that's just not interested you know kind of what you ran into is there any advice you would give that person i mean i, I know you would say that, well at least take care of yourself and get some help for yourself but is, are, there, are there any tips that you have for approaching a, a hesitant significant other you know, it's a, it's a tough situation because you cannot make somebody do the, like it's, it's, it's almost worse to sort of insist that you go to therapy because that person's not there. They're not going to show up. They're going to resist, you know, the entire time. And so um, it can be really, it, you know, it's, it's, you really can't make somebody do it if they don't want to. Um, and so for that, that couple that are the, the partner that does want to, you know, let, 
with the couple that doesn't want to be there, don't, don't make them be there. Um, you keep doing your work, you keep taking care of yourself. And, you know, if there comes a point in the relationship where maybe you're, you know, growing and learning and, you know, you don't want to put up with certain things. I mean, you can always reframe a relationship. You can always kind of write a new quote unquote contract. Um, and it might depend on what you're willing to, to do or not do or, or put up with and not put up with. And, um, it can just kind of be a constant negotiation. So there might be some deal breakers that you have to, to broach, but, um, but maybe there's not. And maybe in doing your own work with a therapist, you can kind of continue to negotiate and navigate what works for you and what doesn't. And to reframe the relationship in a way that you can authentically show up and connect when that person's able to connect and mourn and grieve when they're not. Well, Christy, I, I know you're going to get ready for a, a football game. <laughs> and, yes. And uh, it's, she's going to the Kansas she's City Chiefs and the LA Rams, uh, which I wish I was. Chargers there. now. Are they, or is it the Rams or Chargers? Oh, yeah, I have no idea. You have so many California teams, it's ridiculous. You're the only California that's rooting for the Chiefs, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We love Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I, I wanted to thank you not only for your time, but just taking the taking the step into making it real for a lot of people that normally wouldn't um we're seeing a lot of bold steps in the in the realm of mental health and this is a big one there's no doubt that so many people are be, will be touched by it because they have that accessibility and i'm looking forward to seeing what you do in the future because i know that there's other stores not stores but other um practices that are being built and that's exciting man so thank you thank you and yeah gary gary got into this one man like woo, he's, he's oh no i think it's i think it's awesome anytime you can help people live a better life man sign me up i think it's really cool love what you're doing well, if your listeners like listening to this and they're curious about therapy, um, I'm just going to plug, I don't know, even know this person at all, but there's a therapist out of Canada and the podcast is called Other People's Problems mm. and it's real life therapy sessions. And they're like 25, 30 little minute podcasts. And oh, wow. I, if you're curious about therapy, um, it's, it's really cool. Not, not, she practices in a way that maybe not all therapists will. She's really kind and soft. Like I'm not that nice. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not mean, but she's so, she's so sweet and nice. And she, um, she really kind of, um, talk about creating that intimacy. She's, she really has um, a level of intimacy with all of her clients and you, um, hear it in the podcast and experience it. So if you're curious about therapy and you kind of wonder, you can learn from other people's sessions and what they're going through too. Um, so I, so I'm plugging that for no reason other than I just think it's really good. And what was the name again? Other people's problems. Other the people's problems. And it's a BBC podcast, and the therapist is Hillary McBride. Hillary McBride. And if you're in the greater Los Angeles area, okay, humans. Okay, humans, yes. big time. Big time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're more affordable. We've got amazing therapists that will meet you where you are and um, can really kind of help help you become the person you want to become. As cheesy as that may sound, that is what happens. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Christy, again, thanks for making the time. And enjoy that game and slug your husband in the arm for me and say that's from me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both so much. Thank you, Christy. Christy, you're awesome. Thank you. (laughs) That was fun. fun. You guys are amazing. I love what you're doing. And now, now you know I wanted to do it with both of us because it's it's you're not stuck with one style, but 
it also pivots to other relevant conversations, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, I appreciate it. You got it. Have a blast. Thanks for having me. Okay, we'll see you soon. See ya. Okay. Oh, 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 oh,